Heavenly Father, indeed, we want to see you. We want to be in your presence, and we acknowledge that your presence is here among us this evening as we worship you together as the church, the body of Christ, with brothers and sisters around the world this weekend, worshiping, learning, growing together, loving one another and the world around us. Be honored and glorified in all we do and say and how we respond to the, the message as well. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to say hello to those around you before you have a seat. Welcome to those who are here. Welcome to those who are joining us online as well. A few announcements before we get into the, to the message tonight. We have Skate City happening tomorrow evening, 5 to 7 p.m. It's free. Uh, welcome to join, even if you're not skating, bring your quarters, you can play some video games, that's what uh, my kids like to do there, and uh, so that's for the whole church family uh, to come 5 to 7 p.m. tomorrow night, Skate City. Men's breakfast is happening February 20th at 7 a.m. in the Fellowship Hall, so men, put that on your calendar, we'd love to see you out there for that, as well as we get uh, some of these things going again that haven't happened in a few months. Uh, men's retreat is happening March 5th and 6th. You can register online. There's also paper registrations at the table in the welcome uh, area out there in the lobby. Uh, also, we have a women's apologetic conference that is happening the weekend after that, which is March 12th and 13th. And that's uh, ready for signups to start happening as well, both online through the, the Maranatha Free website, as well as there are some paper copies that I believe are at the welcome desk out there. So that's women's apologetic conference, March 12th and 13th. And then the last announcement is the men's seven challenges study that's happening. Uh, originally, that was going to be two different times, but that's just going to be during second service on Sundays, 1030, in the conference room, not over in the soul garage. Uh, and I think that got kicked off last week, uh, but that's going. You can still join them just for seven weeks long, the men's uh, study on the seven challenges at 1030 in the conference room. All right, Pastor Cody to come on up. Thank you, Pastor Tony. Well, each week we like to celebrate what's going on, and uh, this weekend is Valentine's weekend, so we want to just kind of share a couple things to remind you about what to grab, what's going on this weekend. I encourage you, tomorrow night, hopefully it won't be as cold as tomorrow morning, but tomorrow night, I believe it's at 5 o'clock, show up at the skating rink, which is right over there. Again, you don't have to skate, just come, hang out. In fact, I probably won't skate myself. I said, hey, I'll help with, if a lot of people show up, I'll just help making pizzas or something like that. Hang out. Come, there's going to be free pizza, free food, just hang out, and free drinks, so come be with us. If you want to roller skate, awesome, do that, that'll be great. So that's one event that we have going on. Another thing is, in the back, in our lobby there, we talked about a couple weeks ago just how we have different aspects of our resources there. We've got our faith path, we've got pointers, but we also have recipe cards. So we've got a couple recipe cards for you. We've got some for young adults. Uh, developing meaningful relationships and conversation starters. And then we've got one on Valentine's Day. If you have a family with kids, this is a great one. to. There's a, there's a couple ways to, to act this out here in this card here. So I encourage you to grab the recipe cards back there. Also, another thing, in fact, on the way out, I'm going to have these in my hand. I don't know how many years ago it was, but a few years ago I went through 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting with verse 8. And we went through, and here's an example of the card. So I've got these cards for you to pick up. And we went through the series, and on this here you'll see, love is patient, love is kind. That's what First Corinthians Paul has in black. 
And then, also, then he talks about the negative. Love does not envy, doesn't, isn't boast, doesn't, isn't proud. But then I gave the opposite of each of those. So that's what these cards are. So you can kind of see the positive aspect where love never fails. And then the other side there, the negative, that what can be poisonous to relationships. So I encourage you to grab this card on the way out. We've made some for you. And on the back are highlights of our series we did on marriages. And some of the things, again, one of my lines here, marriage doesn't complete you, Christ does. A lot of people get into marriage and they're like, oh, I'm getting into marriage to complete me. No, Christ completes you. So there's notes on there. So I encourage you to grab those things. All right. We're in the book of James, the letter of James, and we all get letters. We all get letters, although in the age of texting, it seems we're getting less and less type of letters and stuff like that, and not all letters are happily received. For instance, I remember when I was a kid, there was a sitcom, and the guy get up there, he got his mail, he said this, here's my example, Bill, Bill, no Bill lives here. Okay, we get letters we don't like, right? I don't know why that stuck in me, I just remember that. Okay, so sometimes we don't get letters we like to get, and we receive them, and Imagine getting an important letter, but not knowing who it came from. Imagine getting a very, very important letter, and you're like, well, there's no person on there. It says I'm the one that received it, but it's not from someone. For example, when I was in high school, one of my close friends had a major crush on this girl. She was one of the cheerleaders, and she was Miss Popular, and he just, from afar, just had a major crush on her. And I was like, dude, she's out of your league. But uh, he just did it. He just was like, I... I I just, I just like her. And then after about a month or two, he still liked her. He's like, I'm going to write her a letter. I'm like, okay, go ahead. So he wrote this love letter to her. Had me. Do, I, he said, I'm too nervous to give it to her. Would you give it to her? He said, sure, I will drop it off. So I remember carrying this letter around in the hallways during class. I saw her, and I, I, I totally remember where I gave it to her. I gave her the letter. Here, this is for you. I don't remember her name. Let's say it was Michelle. Michelle, this is for you. Here's a letter for you. I walk away, and a half hour later, my friend comes running to me, just crazy and anxious. I was like, she read the letter? She likes him? This is going to be a great turnout. He's like, did you give the letter? I said, yeah, yeah, I gave the letter. No, no, no. I go, why? I forgot to sign it. Some of you are realizing when she got the letter, then she thinks it's from me. It was a bad day for me. Imagine getting an important letter not knowing who sent it to you. This week, I got a letter in the mail. And knowing, at first I didn't know who it was from, but when I started reading it, I was like, wait a second, Pastor Cody, okay. And I was like, who's this from? It's from Elfrida and Dan up in Birchwood. They haven't been able to join us because of COVID. We try to send messages to them. We call them once in a while. I've seen them twice since then. As soon as I knew who it was from, oh, I opened it carefully. You should see how I normally open up letters. I just rip them open. Oh, it's from her and Dan. They sent me a special letter. Because I knew who it was from, it helped me understand and read the letter. The insight prepared me for the rest of what was to come. The same will happen for us as we look in the book of James. Knowing who he was, who his passion was about, what his passion was about will help us as we begin our over a year study of the book of James. So before we get into James chapter 1, let's pray. Lord, I thank you that we have many writings in Scripture. 
Lord, truly inspired by You. No author did it on their own. But they were led by the Spirit. And Lord, I love how in each of the different writings, there's different personalities that show up. When Luke wrote, he was pretty articulate and very serious about writing the aspects of the church. Where other writers have a different aspect of how their personality is in it. And we are thankful for this great writer, James, and what we will learn from it. So Lord, I pray tonight that we would learn much from Your Word in many ways, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. Alright, so get your Bibles and go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And we're looking at verse 1. And last week we did verse 1, part the second part of verse 1. Today we're doing the first part of verse 1. So here it is. James chapter 1, verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Just a quick overview. Last week we looked at James as a book to kind of understand that. We looked at the recipients and the purpose of the reason that he wrote this. And in this, if you missed last week, I encourage you to read James often. Get a notebook. Bring a notebook on Saturday nights or Sundays so you can start taking notes. I encourage you to just get a blank notebook so you can keep all your notes in James. If you want to get one of those fancy journal kinds that's kind of got a nice spine to it. If you want to get a spiral one, that's great. But just that way you can have all your notes on James. And then if you miss stuff as we go through it, again, all my notes are going to be online probably by Monday or even before that. So read it often. Get a notebook. And I've also encouraged you to let's together memorize the book of James. Sound good? Let's memorize the book of James. All right. We talked about how I'm going to go through 20 great themes in this. In fact, the example is um, this mixtape. When I was a kid, I made mixtapes for my friends with a variety of songs. And that's what we're going to do. James has kind of got that style where there's just all these different stuff kind of spread throughout James. It doesn't have this one major theme. He's got 20 great themes. We're going to cover that. We also talked about the recipients, mainly Jewish Christians. Jewish in ethnicity. They didn't hold on to their Jewish thoughts about God and, and all that as in only Judaism, but they included now. Now they saw that Christ was the Messiah. He's the fulfillment of the law. And then we talked about James as a very practical book. Practical theology, which is an application of biblical truth in all areas of life and godliness. And here's a great verse. 2 Peter 1.3 His divine power has given us everything we need for godly life through a knowledge in Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. So we have this aspect of Christianity is not just about head knowledge. We must live it out. And that's what the book of James is. Also Romans 8.20 9, to be conformed to the image of His Son. We're going to talk about that more next week. One of the main priorities in our lives is to be more and more like Christ. And James helps us in that. So last week, James as a book, the recipients and purpose. Now this week, we're going to talk about James as a person, the writer in passion. So here's what we're going to cover today, just so you kind of understand where we're going. We're going to cover this. We're going to talk about his relationship with Jesus... His relationship with Christ, you might go, whoa, you 
you'll see what I'm going here. So his relationship with Jesus, his relationship with Christ, his relationship with others, and then his passion for Christ. So we're going to talk about those four concepts as we get into it. So who is this man, James? Take a look at James chapter 1. The writer of this letter begins, as many talk about, hey, this is who the author is. He, he identifies himself as a man named James. Now again, I talked about James as a timeline in the book of Acts. Here, take a look at this more specifically, um, this chart here. So what I've done is the events, not just in the Gospels and then where James was, but here's kind of the events in the New Testament. I've kind of made this chart for you here. We've got the dates are on top there, and some of those you can kind of move just a little bit to the left or right if you want to. We've got the events. So we've got the life of Christ. We've got Jerusalem. Remember, Acts chapter 1 through 7 covers this story of this birth of the church here in Jerusalem, all the things that happened in Jerusalem. And then chapter 8 comes, and then persecution comes. And out of that, then you got the conversion of Paul, first journey. Then chapter 15 is the council that they had, a very important part. And then the second journey, third, trial prison. And then we, um, Paul was martyred there. And then the destruction of Jerusalem. And then the 90s is when. Uh, John wrote Revelation. So you can see then on the bottom there, I've kind of showed you where, I didn't put all the New Testament books, but there you can see where James is. James is right in the beginning, right after the persecution happens between probably like around chapter 12 and 15 is when James was written. And you can kind of see where others, but notice, and sometimes people don't realize this, that the Gospel writers as soon as all this was happening, they didn't just, just didn't sit down and go, okay, I'm going to write this out. And they were there writing out as they saw the cross. They wrote this after. So the Gospels show up a bit later. In fact, Romans shows up. And then the first Gospel is Mark. You see that there. And then you've got Matthew and then Luke and Acts and John's at the end there. So that's kind of to give you an idea of where and what's happening in the events of the New Testament and where different books of the New Testament kind of when they were written and where they show up kind of in the timeline to help you out. As I said, this epistle is likely the earliest of the written books of the New Testament. And knowing this comes from James helps us understand why it was written. And then we'll get more from James based upon the relationships he's had. So let's talk about the relationships he's had. His relationship with Jesus. How many of you know of anyone with the name James? Raise your hand. I'm just looking at you, James. Okay, anybody know the name James? Right? Okay, yeah. How many in this room are named James? Okay, we got one. Or Jim, okay, all right. Yeah, James is a popular name. Just as today, James was a popular name in the New Testament. And at times it could be confusing to know what James you're talking about. Wait, there's two disciples that have the name James. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to cover quickly four different people that had the names James listed in the New Testament. Alright, the first one. James is the son of someone. So here, he's the disciple listed in Luke chapter 6. There, then there's James, the father of Judas. Judas the disciple. Also listed in Luke chapter 6. Then there's James, the brother of John, who's also a disciple. They're the sons of Zebedee. So take a look at this chart. 
What I've done in this chart is I've highlighted, here's the four kind of main passages that talk about the twelve disciples. And you'll notice that James shows up in these lists a couple times, so it might be confusing what James are we talking about. So you've got over in the first column there, you've got um, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. That, that shows up a couple times, like in Mark chapter 10 and other places. And then, for instance, you've got James there, so that's the same James. Then you've got two James there below. One is James, and the other one here is a son, Judas, the son of James. So you see James, but that's a different James. He's just the father of Judas. So you see that, and you go, well, Judas... Judas shows up twice. Again, Judas is another name for Thaddeus. So it kind of be confusing sometimes when you get a list of these, like, who are we talking about here? So here's kind of, I made this chart so you can kind of see these different names here. They had different ways of designating who is who. For instance, in my phone, I didn't bring it up, I was going to, I have two John Petersons in my phone. You know the John Petersons at our church? There's two John Petersons. But in my phone, I just don't have John Peterson because if they call, I wouldn't know who it is. So I've got John Peterson accountant. So I go, oh, that's, it's even in his name. It's part of his name. It's not officially in his name, but in my phone, I go James, sorry, John Peterson accountant, so I know. Or John Peterson wrestler, so I know the difference. That's what they do in the New Testament. Sometimes they'll say their father's name. Sometimes they'll say something else just to help them out. So out of this list of disciples, we see that James shows up three different ways out of this. Then the fourth James. James, the brother of Jesus, who was not one of the twelve. He was the half-brother. In fact, Galatians 1.9 says this, I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. So wait a second. Jesus had a brother? Yeah. So take your Bibles and go to John chapter 2. John chapter 2, verse 12. Grab your Bibles, turn there. If not, it's going to be up on the screen here. Yes, Jesus had a brother. After this, He went down to Capernaum with His mother and brothers and His disciples. So often, in the early part of Jesus' ministry, he would travel with his parents at times. Soon after he got the disciples, as we see towards the middle of the ministry of Jesus, in the latter part, he primarily traveled with them. But here, we see that he traveled with his parents, his mother here, his brothers, James is one of them, and the disciples. They stayed there for a few days. This is also found in Matthew 13, 55. So Jesus had a brother. So after Mary and Joseph had Jesus, they had children of their own. Can you imagine what it would be like growing up with Jesus as a brother? Imagine fishing with Jesus. I'll be in his boat, right? Wouldn't that be great? It'd be awesome. Joseph to the kids, oh, I need someone to make me some loaves of bread. I'll do it with Jesus. You guys do the dishes, right? It'd be awesome. But it didn't happen like that. In fact, his first miracle wasn't when he was a kid. His first miracle was where? At a what? A wedding. He didn't do miracles as a kid to outdo his brothers. Oh yeah, you want to go fishing? Oh, look at this. It wasn't that way. In fact, the purpose of many of the miracles was to authenticate, verify, and signify the person and the work of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. 
And these happened after his baptism. This happened after he began to do the ministry that he was called to do. So growing up, he wasn't kind of doing some cool things, which I thought would be kind of fun to do, but he didn't do that. So James grew up with Jesus as a brother. They lived together. They played together. And then, imagine the day when Jesus says, I'm the Messiah. We kind of alluded to that already when he was a kid. But then there came a time when he lets everyone know, guess what? I'm the Messiah. Can you imagine James going, wait, my brother? Now, I'm the oldest brother. My brother, Jeff, who I still call Jeffy, he's three years younger than me. I'll never forget the day when Jeffy said, I'm Batman. This is before Batman was in the movies. He had underoos and he was running around the house, Batman. I'm Batman. And I was like, no, you're not Batman. Oh, yes, I am. I'm like, you're not Batman. And then I thought, maybe I'm Spider-Man. It didn't work that way. But I remember when Jeff said that, Jeffy said that, I didn't believe him. And the same goes for James. James did not believe Jesus when Jesus said, guess what? I'm the Messiah. I'm all that we study about in the Old Testament. I'm that person. James didn't believe during his earthly ministry. In fact, take a look at this verse here. John chapter 7, verse 5. John chapter 7, verse 5. So here Jesus is starting up His ministry. Things are happening. For even His own brothers did not believe Him. For even His own brothers did not believe Him. So James is growing up with a brother his older brother Jesus, and Jesus is like, I'm the Messiah. All these things are happening. And James is going, I don't know. He's seeing some of the miracles happening. He's hearing some of the teaching. And I firmly believe he was there at the Sermon on the Mount because we'll see later in James, he alludes to the Sermon on the Mount often. James did not believe. So his relationship with Jesus was that he was his brother, they, his brothers knew him as Jesus, my brother, but they did not know him as Jesus, the Christ. They really didn't understand yet who Jesus was. So let's get to our next point. His relationship with Christ. It is one thing for James to have a relationship with Jesus' his brother, but that did not get him far. Things changed greatly when he began a relationship not just with Jesus, but a relationship with Christ. Then things changed for him. His relationship with Christ. It was not till later that he came to understand who Jesus was. More than just a brother. He came to know Him as Christ, Savior of the world. Even though he was an unbeliever during most of the work that Jesus did during his life, the crucifixion and resurrection changed everything for James. It changed it all. And then James became a christ follower a christian and we see this in first corinthians 15 7 jesus appeared to the disciples and his brother james because james is now realizing he died he rose again this is all happening so he had a relationship with christ shortly after the resurrection we don't know when but that's when james james now not just had a relationship with his brother but with the messiah Next point, his relationship with others. In the early stage of the church, James became one of the key leaders of the church. More dedicated to Christ, and he quickly rose to be the central leader. In fact, in the, the council 
in Jerusalem in Acts 15. Uh, in Acts 15 there, he was kind of the chief one. He was, he was kind of like the senior pastor of leading all of that. He had a great relationship. In fact, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 9, Paul calls him James, one of the pillars of the church. So he had a relationship with Christ finally, and that transformed him. And in the church, he began to build great relationships with others all around him. He was well known. And after his death, he got a nickname. Anybody know what it is? James the Just. James the Just. And there's general agreement that the author of this epistle is James, the brother of Jesus. So he had a relationship with Jesus. He was his brother. Then, out of doubt and time, the Lord changed his heart. And I believe it was the resurrection that changed everything for him. And for us, it's the resurrection that gives us life and changes everything for us. He then had a relationship with Christ and a great relationship with others. Now let's finish with his passion for Christ. Not only did he have a relationship with Christ, he had a passion for Christ. What's interesting to some is that the author never calls himself the brother of Jesus. James, the brother of Jesus. Now, if you want anyone to read a writing that you're writing, and you're going to talk about the Bible, talk about Christianity, this is like the ultimate name drop. James. <clears throat> The brother of Jesus. Everyone's going, oh, we're going to listen to this guy, right? He grew up with him. He knows all the insights. The ultimate name-dropping opportunity, James doesn't do that. He did not want to elevate his own name. Instead, he had a love and passion for Christ and was all about lifting up the name of Christ. This is seen in how he describes himself with a word greater than saying, James the Jesus, let's take a look at this. James chapter 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this word servant here, the New Testament word here is doulos. And it can be translated in different Bibles in a variety of ways as slave, servant, bondservant, so James is calling himself a doulos, a servant. And doulos conveys the idea of a person being the slave or servant of another. And when used as a title, it conveys that one belongs to God and serves with absolute allegiance. So James is about to pen it out and he goes, James, he goes, oh, I'm the brother of Jesus. Everyone will read my book, right? James the first word, a doulos. I belong to Christ. People like Peter, Paul, and James use this as a title to describe themselves as one who completely belongs to God. He is their Lord and Master. To be a slave of Christ means you have a passion, a love for your Master. James begins by calling himself a servant of God and of the Lord. Notice the word Lord's there too. He just doesn't say I'm a doulos, but he says of the Lord. He's the Lord, the Master. James was a slave of Christ because of his passion for Christ. Lord and Master, then you must obe be obedient to His 
way of life. And that's what the book of James is about. You want to live out Christianity? This is how you do it. But James begins by reminding everyone, I'm a doulas, I'm a slave of Christ, a bondservant. So it is significant that he doesn't use the title Jesus. I'm Jesus' brother to win people over. Instead, he centers on the deep reality that he completely belongs to Jesus. I belong to Christ. Just like Old Testament leaders and prophets, they call themselves a slave of Yahweh. Found in Deuteronomy and Jeremiah and other books of the Old Testament. So how do we know that James was really a doulos, a slave, that he had passion for Jesus? Did he do it just because, oh, I'm Jesus' brother, he's the Messiah, I might as well write some notes out? He knew Jesus, not just as Jesus, his brother, but Jesus as Christ and Savior. He had a passion for letting others know about Jesus and helping them grow. That's the book of James. But there's more. He had a passion for living for Christ and also to the point of death. So, Josephus, the works of Josephus. In fact, I think it was Pastor Tony came in my office, or maybe it was Pastor Aaron. Like, oh, he had, was it you, Tony? That you had, yep, it was Tony. And I saw so pull up my Josephus here. Josephus was not a Christian, but a great historian. And we get a lot of what it looked like in the times of the Old Testament, I mean, sorry, in the New Testament, the first century, what was happening, what all that was going on from Josephus. Here is from Josephus, book 20, chapter 10. He assembled the Sahedrin and Judges and brought before them the brother of Jesus, who was called Christ. Jesus, the one who's called Christ. So, he's, so again, when he says Jesus, he doesn't go Jesus like we say Jesus. He's saying, yeah, that guy Jesus who's also called the Christ, that Messiah guy. They brought the brother of Jesus, who's called the Christ, whose name was James and some others, or some of his companions. And when he had formed an accusation against them, as breakers of the law, he delivered them to be stoned. James had such a passion for Christ that he's willing to teach others, live a life, and live a death for Christ as a martyr. He was willing to die for Christ. We have a few martyrs in Scripture. Ones who gave their life for Christ. Let's go back to this chart I made for you. Notice at the end there. There are some people who were killed because they had a true devotion, love, passion for Christ that they'd be willing to die for Him in the end. So I've highlighted those in red. We've got James. James died around 62. Then Paul died there around 68. They were willing to live in such a way that they would give their lives. But notice there in uh, 269, yeah, 269 is another one. Valentine. Anybody heard of the name Valentine? Okay, Valentine's Day. Okay, I'm going to make this connection here for you. St. Valentine. Wrapped in mystery, because I've read a lot of history books this week. Wow. Forgotten in tradition. Because you know how it is, tradition takes over sometimes and you totally miss out on some of the realities of what really happened. 
So wrapped in mystery, forgotten in tradition, and with today's commercialism, stripped of its significance and covered in chocolate, right? When you think of Valentine's Day, you think of chocolate, okay? St. Valentine had such a passion for Christ, he was willing to die as a martyr also. Because he wanted to protect the Christian understanding of marriage and true love. Just as there are many James in the New Testament, it's interesting in church history, there's many Valentines, which is kind of a popular name, in church history. So there's kind of three prominent ones that people look at to when they look at Valentine's Day. One of them was in prison and wrote a love note to his love, to this young lady, that he was young, she was young, your Valentine. That's kind of where some people do that from there. But the main one, that Valentine's Day is attributed to, had a passion for Christ. During the war time that was happening, the king was like, guess what? I want all the men to go fight for me so I can save my kingdom. No more marriage. Scrap marriage. It's not worth it. That's kind of his logo to get people in motivation. So people were like, I, want, I, I feel called to be married. And the king was like, no, no, no to marriage. So Valentine, or Valentinius, held secret marriages then got caught and was sentenced to death. As he was waiting execution, he was given notes from couples praising the virtues of love. These notes were supposedly the first Valentine like that. And Valentinius was executed February 14, 269. It was in 469 when Valentine was given a day to replace pagan feasts of other stuff, so that way the theme of Christian love, the theme of Christian marriage could be promoted. And also, not just love and marriage, but martyrdom. Willing to die for Christ. So what's the takeaway for us today? Number one, you must have a relationship with Jesus. Uh, 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 uh. don't be like James though. Oh, I got a relationship with Jesus. Oh, he's my brother, yeah. No, a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what happened to James. First it was just a relationship with Jesus, and then a relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't just be one that says, oh, I go to church. Oh, I, I follow Jesus. Don't just be a hearer. Be a doer also. And I encourage you, have a passion for Christ. You must have a relationship with Christ as Savior and Lord. Be a slave of Christ. And we are to have a love and passion for Christ. Why? Because God has a passion and love for us so much that He gave His only Son so we could have eternal life have a relationship with christ be a slave of christ and on this valentine's weekend if you've got a spouse or a friend or whatever you have your kids i don't know how you what you do my wife usually makes pancakes oh, oh i don't know if we're gonna do that tomorrow we'll see heart-shaped ones we got a variety of ways of doing things i have no problem doing that but remember yeah, there was historically men and women who died for Christ because they stood up for biblical values. 
One of those is Valentinius, who is willing to be a champion for love and marriage. And back in 469, they dedicated Valentine's Day as a day to remember the beauty of Christian love, but also being willing to die for Christ. You know what, though? It would be easier to die for Christ than live for Him. And that's what the book of James is about. Live for Christ in this way. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for this time that we could study Your Word. And even though we've just looked at James, a doulos of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's much there. I'm glad that we have people in Scripture who were close to Jesus, but were not close to Christ until the death and resurrection of Jesus happened. And then it all became clear. Lord, You are good and beautiful. May we surrender our lives to You so that You would be Lord and Savior and we'd be willing to say, we belong to You. You are our Master, our Lord. We are a doulas of Jesus Christ. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're able to stand, join us in our last two songs.